Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Uh, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Matt Foreman. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm glad you're here this morning, and we have some time together. Uh, I actually uh, came in last night from uh, the Warren Dunes where my family's camping, and then I'm going to get done with church, and I'm going to head back up there. Uh, so I'm glad to be with you, though, this morning. Uh, and before we jump into our teaching for today, I actually wanted to talk, uh, take a second and talk about baptism. Uh, many of you know, some of you know, that we have a baptism coming up Sunday, July 17th, so it's just in a few weeks. And if you've experienced new life in Jesus, or maybe you've recommitted your life to Christ, or maybe you've just got into a new level of, of depth with Jesus, uh, I'm going to ask you to consider to get baptized uh, that day. Um, I know for some, for some reason, sometimes people, uh, in my experience, been doing this for almost 20 years, uh, a lot of times people will talk themselves out of baptism. Uh, sometimes it's because maybe they were baptized as an infant or maybe uh, they just don't wanna be up in front of people. Um, but folks, it is an important, important thing to do as a follower of Christ. That, you know, Jesus himself was baptized. And so if Jesus does something, then we ought to do those things too. And so I'm gonna ask you to consider getting back. Actually, I was thinking this week about um, a few years ago, I had a guy at the church who was uh, dead set uh, against uh, getting baptized. Uh, he'd been baptized earlier in his life. And uh, as we got closer to the baptism, he really felt like the Lord had said, hey, I know that you think that you're not supposed to do this, but I'm gonna ask you to do it. And so he resisted that for quite a while and we had a conversation or whatever and he finally decided, I think that the Lord's really telling me I can't, probably, by the way, if God's asking you to do something, it's probably not a good idea to say no, all right? And so he went through the baptism and I, folks, I will tell you, um, the Lord had taken him through a significant uh, journey in his life and got him to this significant place and it was in a significant, significant moment that he went through. So I wanna I want just ask you, don't discount what God might be asking of you uh, to, if, if you maybe, so if you have any inkling, all right, any inkling whatsoever of getting baptized, uh, maybe your teenagers or your kids need to get baptized, uh, we've made it super easy for you today. It'll come up here. We, you can actually just text BAPTISM22 to 94000. You can do that right now. Um, you can uh, text that BAPTISM22 to that number and uh, you can then sign up for one of the baptism classes. There are two of them. Uh, you can you only have to come to one of them. And coming to that class doesn't actually say, okay, you're definitely, it's just an exploratory. Uh, here's what it means to get baptized. Here's all the details of it, details that day, those kind of things. So I would love it if you would take out your phone, if you even have any inkling at all of getting baptized and, and uh, do that and get signed up for that, okay? Uh, you can also register at cornerstonevineyard.church. So with that then, uh, we're gonna jump into our teaching for the day. If you wanna grab a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter eight, as well as put a thumb in chapter 16, because we're gonna actually look at both those today, actually a couple of things in between there as well. But Revelation chapter eight and 16. Uh, Revelation is pretty easy to find. It's the last book of the Bible. So if you just go all the way to the back, you'll find that, all right? Um, and uh, if you don't have a paper Bible with you, there are paper Bibles spread throughout the auditorium, about every other cedar, so you can grab one of those. Or you can go to sermons.church on a browser on your device, and you can search for Cornerstone in your church and all the scriptures and fill in the blanks. Everything will be there for you. Uh, and to get us started today, I want to begin with this. Have any of you uh, seen or know of, maybe you've heard of, uh, has anybody seen or heard the, the what's, I, I have to actually read it because I, I mess it up every time. It's the toilet paper roll straw challenge on social media. Anybody seen any of this? A couple of you guys. All right. Uh, this basically is where uh, that people will take a toilet paper roll, not the actual toilet paper stuff, but the roll that it's attached to, and they will actually stick it into a glass of juice and they will try to drink out of it. Uh, and so in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I brought a video. So take a look at this and I'll make a couple comments. 
<laughs> okay. So that is the toilet paper roll straw challenge. Uh, kind of stupid, right? Kind of stupid, right? Uh, it, it's, it's what, yeah, this is what I was thinking about this. This is what they call natural consequences, right? Natural consequences. It's actually crazy to me as I've watched this up play out on social media. By the way, social media sometimes can be very entertaining, all right? And so as I watch this play out on social media, uh, these people, they see the other videos. Like the reason this becomes a challenge is because other people have already done it. And so they know the end result. They know exactly what's gonna happen and yet they still do it anyway, right? Natural consequences, right? Natural consequences. And I use that to start to this morning because we are continuing our message series that we've been in the last few weeks here this summer uh, on uh, the book of Revelation called Revealed, Uncovering the Mystery of Revelation. And our, uh, our topic today is on consequences. Uh, you could even say natural consequences. Our title this morning is uh, Revealing the Challenges and the Consequences of Revelation. And much like the toilet paper roll straw challenge, again, I have to read that every time, uh, there, and there being natural consequences of that, we see natural consequences and challenges in the book of Revelation. Actually, what is known uh, as the seven trumpets or plagues uh, and the seven bowls or the bowls of wrath of God uh, in the Revelation. So we're gonna talk about the wrath of God today. Who's excited you came to church? Yeah, baby, come on. We're gonna talk about the wrath of God. Y'all should pray for me, all right? Um, so even though I know that uh, these, th these uh, aren't necessarily fun um, Maybe for many people, they would rather these chapters not be in the Bible. I do think, especially as I was studying it this week, folks, I think there are some significant things uh, in the trumpets and the bowls that, that we should know about, and they tell us something, right? The trumpets and the bowls, they tell us something, and I'm going to just, just tell you what it is. Plainly, it, 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 they tell us the value of being connected to Jesus Christ, and there, there is there's very very significant value to being connected to Jesus. And I know many of you know that, but I think sometimes maybe we know that up here, but maybe we don't know that in here, all right? Much of what we're gonna read today and look at is in the window of the experience of those outside of Jesus. And folks, there, uh, it is important what we're gonna read today to know that uh, even though that is the case, that the, God wants all of us connected to him and there's value to be connected to him. Um, and, and the truth is we're all gonna have to do something with the trumpets of the bulls of Revelation. We're gonna have to. And so there's values to these chapters and knowing their significance, okay? Now, before we read, uh, and we're gonna read two pretty significant chunks of scripture today. Uh, I love actually this series that's been kind of cool that we're reading uh, good chunks of scripture, all right? So we're gonna read two chunks of scripture. One's gonna be on the trumpets, one's gonna be on the bulls. I wanted to quick, quickly remind us of something before we jump into that, and that is this, um, that we need to remember that the book of Revelation is a book of prophecy and poetry, Okay, it's prophecy and poetry. And so there's a lot of imagery in the book of Revelation. Actually, starting last week with the seven seals and continuing this week in the trumpets and the bowls, uh, there's lots of, lots of, lots of imagery in these chapters that we're gonna need to kind of press through, okay? But, but remember, if you were here for, for the very first week, imagery is there to help us in this book, okay? The imagery is there to help us feel something um, and uh, to help us know the purpose of this book more. Oftentimes, and uh, often emotionally, Emotion is tied to intellect, right? It's why poetry can have such deep meaning and significance. So emotion is tied to intellect. And so this is actually meant, this imagery is meant to be there so we feel a little more and understand more what this book is about, okay? And so... Um, we saw last week uh, in, uh, there were some colors that you know, Doug went through last week with the, with the horses. Remember if they're all the horses and they were riding in, they had different colors, right? And, they, and the seals and all of that. Um, 
Numbers have meaning, right? Uh, you may have already noticed as we've been going over the last few weeks together, the number seven. You guys been noticing the number seven? We've been talking about the seven uh, letters and the seven seals. Today we're gonna talk about the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, all right? Uh, and in the Bible, some of you know this, right? But, the, but number seven is actually a perfect number. And so God, what we see in that and the, why that matters is that we see God laying out a perfect plan in how this is all gonna work and how it's all gonna play together, right? So again, the seven letters and the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, a perfect, 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 perfect plan of God, Okay. And so uh, if we can, we got to remember that this is imagery and there's poetry in this. And so I know that this is the, the last, starting last week and this week, these are the reasons why people take an exit out of the book of Revelation because there's so much to understand. You're like, I don't understand any of this, right? But there's significance. And if we can catch some of this imagery and understand it, folks, it can help us to increase our understanding of living a life for Jesus and like Jesus. And so I think there's some significant things in our text today. All right, and so with that, let's read these challenges and these consequences of Revelation, the trumpets and the bowls. We're gonna read first the trumpets. Uh, again, they can also be called the plagues. All right, we're gonna start in Revelation 8, starting in verse six. It says this, then the seven angels who had had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon. A third of the day was without light, and a third of the night. Skip to chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet. The sun and the sky were darkened by smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke came locusts. Out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads to torture them for five months. Skip to verse 13 and 15. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and the four angels were released to kill a third of mankind. And then finally, chapter 11, verse 15 and 19. The, seven angel, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a severe, severe hailstorm. So that's the seven trumpets, the seven plagues. There's interesting things in there. Some of you might already be going, well, what? Um, but I, we'll, we'll get there. We'll unpack that. All right, now I want to read the bowls, okay? This is Revelation chapter 16. 16.1 says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead person and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. Skip to verse eight. The fourth angel poured out his, blood on a bo sorry, his bowl on the sun and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. Verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony. Verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and it was, its water was dried up. Verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and severe earthquake. 
No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. And then finally, skip to verse 21. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fell on people. And so those are the seven bowls, the bowls of wrath. Also interesting, you may have even notice that they're actually, the trumpets and the bowls, they kind of actually line up a little bit. They're similar things in each one of those, all right? And so what I want to do uh, through the rest of our time together is we're just going to pause and pray. No, I'm just, we are going to pray, all right? There's a lot in there, right? There's a lot of things in there, right? And so, but I do want to spend some time over the, uh, the rest of our time together, and I want to pick out, I'm going to do one point on the trumpets and one point on uh, the bowls this morning. Rather, uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been kind of walking through each one of these things individually. We walked through the seven letters, each of the seven letters, uh, Doug walked through the seven seals last week, those kind of things. And today we're just going to kind of lump the, the trumpets into one and the bowls into another. Um, uh, but before we do that, I, want, I do want to pray, all right? Because I do think, again, this is one of those things where this is, the, this is the, the point in Revelation where people can take an accent. And I think there's some really, really good stuff and a good thing of heart, uh, the heart of God in the midst of this, all right? So let's pray. So Father, we uh, pause and we pray this morning. Uh, that as we take some time to uh, continue to dig into deeply into this book of Revelation, God, that, that you have for us, there's something in it for us. And we take a look at the trumpets today and the bowls today, God. This is, uh, this is a point where I think many people can maybe, there might be a little bit of fear or, or maybe there's uh, just an opportunity to say, I don't, I'm done with the book of Revelation. God, I pray that you would do something supernatural in this room. God, as we, we walk through this, that there would be supernatural change that would happen to us, that some would gain some knowledge maybe they didn't have. Maybe some would be drawn to a, 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 a deeper relationship with you. Some would be drawn to a relationship with you, that there would be supernatural activity that, that you will do and give us things that we didn't have when we came in, and you would change us when we go out. Make our hearts, our souls, our minds sticky, and supernatural things would stick to us. God, we'd be more like Jesus because of our time together, not by my efforts, but solely by the efforts of the Holy Spirit among us, we pray. We give this time to you, we'll honor you with it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, all right, I'm gonna draw, the, again, the point from the trumpets and the point from the bowls. First is gonna be the trumpets. You can write this in on your handout. The seven trumpets remind us of God's mercy. You can write that in. The seven trumpets remind us of God's mercy. Now, I know, I know that feels a little bit weird after I just read those two chunks of scripture, and, and it feels a little weird to say that plagues, right, hurled uh, down fire on the earth and the sea and the water, the sun and the moon being struck, killer locusts, killer angels, a severe earthquake and hailstorm. I know that it's weird to say that those things are showcasing God's mercy, but I want you to track with me this morning in the midst of this, okay? Remember that I mentioned before that the trumpets, actually, right, they, the trumpets are, are a window into the experience of those who were outside of Jesus, Okay, before judgment is final. And what we have to focus on in the trumpets is not the trumpets or the plagues themselves, okay? Because those things are tough, right? But what we need to focus on is, again, not the trumpets, not the plagues, but what happens after, okay? What happens after each one of these trumpets are blown? Primarily, they're in the first four. Also, number six will come up on the screen. Here's what I want us to focus on, right? Uh, this is the first trumpet. It says in uh, verse seven, it says, a third of the earth was burned up. The second trumpet, verse nine, a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Third trumpet, and a third of the waters turned bitter and many people died. The fourth trumpet, verse 12, and a third of the day was without light and a third of the night. And then the sixth trumpet in verse nine, uh, chapter nine, verse 15, and the four angels were released to kill a third of mankind. And what I need, what, what, what I think is important to notice, right, is that in each one of these, in each trumpet, a third was destroyed and killed. 
Okay, what we have to really focus on here is that a third, by the way, could have been 100%. It could have, I'm gonna get a little fiery today, just so you know. A third could have been 100%, okay? It could have been everything burned up, everything dies, no light at all, but instead it's a third. And what I want us to catch today is that, is that is this, this is an act of mercy from God. The trumpets are God's hope to get the attention of those not in yet. It's God's hope to say, hey, if you have not given your lives over to following me and my ways, by the way, our ways are not his ways. That's what the scripture said, right? And so this is a shot across the bow. Now, when I went through this, some of you know what that meaning means, but we have a young staff and some of them are like, I don't know what a shot across the bow means, right? So this is a shot across the bow, right? If you like know, it's a naval tactic of firing a warning shot across the front portion of a ship, right? So this is a warning shot to those who have not yet repented to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what we need to understand is, is that it is actually a merciful, a merciful act from God. This is God's showcase of mercy. And I know, I, I know when I was walking through this this week, uh, uh, by the way, I'm, I know some of you prayed for me this week. Thank you for that. Uh, Doug said, pray for Matt. He's got to go through the trumpets and the bowls. I feel, feel like, and when I was going through this, I know that maybe, maybe for some of you, it was the denomination that you, or the church you went to, or, 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 or the family you grew up in, or, or something like the, the, the interactions with your own dad, those kind of things. But I, but I know some people want to see God as an angry father. And the trumpets, when we say, okay, well, this is just on par. This is one more pin in the angry dad kind of scenario of God. But, what, but I won't catch this. This, God being a, a, a God who, who would actually have these trumpets blown, that's not God's heart. That's God's reality that he's gonna have to bring someday, but that's not his heart. His heart is actually to be mercifully, to be a good, good father. That's God's heart. Take a look at a couple of verses. He's bent towards mercy. Look at this, Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God who is, what is, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. That's important. It is by grace you have been saved. See, he, God, is rich in mercy. Micah 7, 18 says, who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You see, he is a God who delights to show mercy to us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you, for me, for us. Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of his what? Let's say it all together. In view of his what? In view of his mercy. In view of his mercy. So much mercy from God. So much mercy from God. You see, what we need to see here is that this is actually a show of God, the Holy One, being merciful to us as human beings, the ones who, while we were still sinners, we, he ended up sending Jesus to die for us. Because this, he's longing, folks, he is longing all reality for our hearts. Brass tacks, it's not about avoiding hell, which I think this is where people wanna uh, get into that point into this part of Revelation. Uh, but I will say, real quick, real, hell is a real place. Okay, so what it's not about avoiding hell, okay? It's not about that, it's about him, a loving God 
longing for your heart, longing for my heart. It actually says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All, do you know that in Scripture, all means all? <laughs> He wants all people to come to this understanding. These trumpets are a mechanism of God catching our attention, human attention to that end, coming to the knowledge of the truth, giving our hearts and our lives to him for us to be saved, for us to grab onto the mercy and grace that he, I love the fact that we sang how he loves us this morning. And the wind of mercy and grace, folks, we're like a tree bent over because there's so much mercy. And I think it's interesting, as I was studying this, that, the, that the, these trumpets, if you look at them holistically, you look at them all together, all seven of them, um, the first four are actually centered around creation. Um, but with the fifth, with the fifth trumpet, there's actually a turn. It's actually a pretty sobering, alarming turn. Uh, there's some imagery in here, but it says in Revelation chapter nine, verses one through five, it says, the fifth angel sounded his trumpet and the sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss and out of the smoke locusts came on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads to torture them for five months. Pretty sobering, actually, very Alarming. And then if you add in the sixth, right, it becomes very serious and weighty, and these four angels are released to kill a third of mankind. And, and as I was looking at these then holistically, and even the alarming ones and the weighty ones, I was thinking, you know, it's, I, I think, uh, and you know, how many of you know that God doesn't do anything that's unintentional? So it's very intentional that, that God did what he did in the order that he did these trumpets, right? Because he's hoping that the, the creation trumpets, the first four trumpets, that those, those trumpets, when you see those things happen, we're walking through those things. He's hoping that what we'll see is humankind, that we'll see that the fact that, whoa, maybe we should actually acknowledge the God of the universe. That, that hopefully we will wake up people to repentance and submitting their lives to him before the need to, for, a, for a serious warning out there of trumpets five and six. Where his heart, by the way, his heart does not lie in trumpets five and six in affliction and loss of life. That's not where his heart is. His heart is mercy. Although I will say in uh, trumpet five and six, there's still mercy there because again, it could have been 100%, but it was a third. You see, this is a, this, the, the trumpets are a wake-up call for humankind to say, wake up to the need of a savior. You can't figure your life out on your own. Hey, some of you may need to know that, by the way. You can't figure out your life on your own. You need, a, you need God in your life. All right, now we're gonna close in prayer. No, I'm kidding. You need God, I need God in my life. You need God in your life. You, look, folks, we, we have a lot of people trying to figure out how to do life on their own and it doesn't work. You might be able to do, do some good things here or there, but it ain't gonna work. See, I told you I was gonna get a little loud this morning. And so here's, here's what I, I want to kind of bring the, the trumpets to a close and then we're gonna go to the bulls. I think a couple questions that we should be asking ourselves today in light of the trumpets is this. This first one is this. Have I said yes to the God of the seven trumpets? We should be asking ourselves if we have said yes, if this is an act of mercy from God, a shot across the bow from God to say, hey, wake up to the need for a savior to to be in in my ways, not your ways, right? Have we said yes to the God of the seven trumpets? And I will tell you, uh, by the way, uh, there are many, many Americans that would call themselves Christians that are not Christians, And so this answer is not, I just come to church. 
This answer is, have you submitted your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I'm gonna talk more about that later, where actually the entirety of your life is in his hands and you don't even get to make decisions for your life. Have you done that? But then the second one, I think that's, by the way, it's all, from, from what we see in these seven trumpets, all indication that it's worth saying, at least considering, have you said yes? And it's worth considering saying yes when we look at the trumpets of Revelation. And then a follow-up to that that I thought of this week is this one. Is God currently giving me a shot across the bow? Folks, this is, what, this is my thought this week. Is your life plague-like constantly? Feel, do you feel in chaos? Does it feel like you're just going from one catastrophe after another catastrophe? Maybe, this was my thought this week, and, and, and you know, just, this is all out of grace and love from me, but maybe that's a shot across the bow from God. Maybe God is trying to get your attention for your life to stop being about you, stop being about what you can you can stir up in this life, what you can do with your hands, but give your life over to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not just coming to church, by the way. I wanna be very clear. I'm so glad that we have a church of a family that we're about relationship. We come together. It is important to be together, but this place doesn't save you. The King of Kings, the one who died on a cross, Jesus, he's the one who saves you. He's the most important one. So are you in a place where you're just coming to church or, or are you a true follower of Christ where uh, around here we say that you've given up the driver's seat of your life to him? Where he, he tells you what to do and what to say and what to, where to spend your money and where to spend your time, what kinds of relationships that you should be involved in, how you act in your marriage, how you treat your spouse. By the way, if you don't treat your spouse really great, God, that's not of the Lord. Somebody, that, that, that dropped, didn't it, a little bit right there. Folks, like, it, is God currently giving you a warning shot? Can I say to you, as your pastor, and I love y'all, I, I mean, I know that there are a bunch of you that you've already done, you've, you've already taken care of this, so those kind of things, but there's some of you. I, I, we've been walking through life together for three years in this church, and I know that some of you, God's given you a shot across the bow, and you need to be wake up to the, the shot that he's given you. I just know it, because I know your life. I think it's worth considering. So that's our first thing. The seven trumpets remind us of God's mercy. All right, second thing, I've already kind of alluded to this a little bit. The seven bowls, we're gonna talk about the bowls. Seven bowls remind us that God is a judge. That God is a judge. Again, remember that these bowls are the bowls of wrath, the wrath of God. And I know I just got done saying that God is merciful. And so you might be thinking, wait, well, how can God be God of mercy? And yet then there's all this wrath stuff. Something that we need to know uh, it, 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 as, we, as we read the scripture and as we go through uh, a relationship with Jesus, folks, there are quite a few verses of scripture that indicate God's status as a judge, as the one who can bring judgment and wrath. I wanna take a look at a few of them and we'll circle back to the bulls here in Revelation. Okay, the first one's uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. It says, it says, for we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, look at this, the Lord will judge his people. Psalm 56 the heavens proclaim his righteousness for he is a God of justice. 
2 Timothy 4.1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. There are quite a few scriptures that indicate the, of God's status as a judge, the one to bring judgment and, and sentencing and wrath for sin. By the way, sin that is actually worthy of some level of wrath, right? Uh, some of you know this, but, right? uh, but the truth is each and every single one of us deals with this thing called sin. Meaning we do wrong, we miss the mark, we make mistakes. One actually biblical definition I found this week that I really loved is that we wander from the path of uprightness. Every single one of us in the room, even your pastor, right? We, we, we all wander from this uprightness. It's something that we are naturally bent towards when we're born into this planet, right? It actually says in Romans chapter 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is what? Say it with me, death. For the wages of sin is death, Okay? And for all, uh, Romans 6, 20, go, go back to that one. I, I missed that one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. So this is something that every single one of us, we can't run from it, okay? It means we, this says that we have sinned and fall short, which means we will continue to do that. And then go to that 623, right? So, so for the wages of sin is death. And so the death is the payment and what we are meant to deserve because of our wandering from uprightness. You deserve it, I deserve it. But this is the good part. The end of that verse says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we deserve from a holy God, a holy judge, death, and yet he sent Jesus for you and for me. And so if we go back to the bowls, I think it's important for us to catch the fact that folks, our sin is indeed worthy of some level of wrath. What you do to wander from the uprightness of the Lord is worthy of some wrath. What I do that is wandered from the uprightness of, of the ways of God is worthy of some level of wrath. But here's what this is really important today, and this will come up on the screen, is that no one is under the wrath of God except those who choose to be. No one is under the wrath of God except those who choose to be. And I'll unpack that here this morning, Okay. Um, what, remember, we have to remember as we read these bowls is that the, the, they come after the trumpets, after the shot across the bow, right? And after this broke my heart this week as I was studying this, after it says, after these, all the trumpets are done, and it says in verse, uh, chapter nine, verse 20, it says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, look at this, still did not repent. I don't know how you can go through a place in where you're seeing all this happen and still not know... I think it's crazy to me where like, man, folks, we, we see it today. We see it in 2022. We actually see some things happening around us and we should be running to God. And yet there are so many that's like, nah, I'm good. Again, this is a window into the experience of those outside Jesus, those who have not repented and no one is under the wrath of God except those who choose to be. I was actually thinking about back to the toilet paper roll straw challenge thing. You can bring that picture up, right? Um, Again, remember, remember, right, that, that they've seen the other videos. They know what's gonna happen, right? They, they know they're gonna choke on the juice and yet they still do it anyways. Folks, there is a, there is a choice involved when it comes to God's wrath. We are either a child of God or we are a child of wrath. We are either a child of God or we're a child of wrath and no one gets to choose that but you, right? But there are two choices. There are no other choices. There's this one or this one, that's it. 
We're a child of God or we're a child of wrath. And the choice is yours and mine and ours. We will either, I wrote down this, we will either avoid the choking on juice or walk out the challenges involved and dare I say, be unwise and foolish enough to use the straw and walk through a life without God. Again, this is lovingly coming from your pastor this morning. Folks, it is foolish to walk through this life without God. Just as it's foolish to use a freaking toilet paper straw. It is foolish. It is foolish. And here's the thing, right? Like, this is no surprise. There's no surprise of this, right? This, this is what the trumpets are warning about. It's a choice. It's not a surprise. Take a look at a bit. I want to show you a couple other verses that kind of bring me to that conclusion beyond the text itself saying that they refuse to repent, which, by the way, we're not going to look at it today, but it's interesting as we look at the trumpets. Read this on your own time. But it actually says in uh, 16, 9, and 11 of Revelation uh, that, that they also didn't repent even after all of that. But it says this. This is where I get to this conclusion. Uh, you guys heard of John 3.16? You know that verse, right? John, look at John 3.16 and 17. This is why I think there's a choice in this, right? Because it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, but whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? To save the world through him. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn me. He didn't come to show his wrath. No, he came to save you. I like this message. He came to save you. He came to save me. To show his grace if we want it and take it. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for Christ followers. Folks, no one is under the wrath of God except those who choose to be under the wrath of God. So you can write this uh, down on your handout. Write this down. Our choice matters. Our choice matters. It matters in practicality and avoiding messy stuff and in the end avoiding, uh, if, you, if you remember as I was reading, right, festering ugly sores being, uh, on our skin or, or being scorched by the sun, being in agony, having no water, all of that is on us, whether we choose to be a child of God or a child of wrath. By the way, uh, I know that uh, some of you may be thinking, man, Matt, you're kind of like hellfire and brimstone today. Don't you want to back it up a little bit? I thought about it. But folks, I, I think, again, there's a reason that God has this in the book for us, Right? And I think it's important for us to walk this out, to look at this and, and understand a true heart for this is the, the heart behind God. All, the reason God put this in is a story of redemption. It's a story of God pulling back humankind to himself. Take a look at Romans 1, 18 through 20. This, is, this kind of wraps us kind of up a little bit and we're gonna get ready to close here in a minute. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people. Who suppress? And I'm gonna pause it for a minute. We're gonna talk about that suppress thing here in a minute. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and weakness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what, we may, what, we, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Folks, this is the story of the holiness of God 
destroying anything that is not protected by the blood of Jesus. But God's desire is to have people acknowledge what they already know to be true. We already know this is true. We know that he is, we got to acknowledge him and the fact that he's the creator and we need to give our lives back to him. We already seen it. Everything you look at, man, I was was camping this weekend and I'm like, we're sitting out, we're looking at, and there's a beautiful sunrise. How can you look at that and go, there's not a God? I'm getting sweaty up here. (laughs) Come on. God would much rather redeem you than destroy you. He would much rather redeem you than destroy you, but the choice is yours and mine. And we clearly see it. But here's what happens with humankind. As often we think we're a better God than he is. Don't we? We think we're a better God than he is, right? We choose poorly. We suppress the truth as that. I said we're gonna come back to that. We suppress the truth, right? It says in John 3, 19, Brenna, you can come on up and get ready to play as we get ready to close. It says in John 3, 19, it says, this is the verdict. Oh, folks, doesn't this describe our life? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Sometimes we think we're a better God than he is. Oftentimes we think we're a better God than he is. So some example of this, we see this all the time. Like I just mentioned earlier, right? When we try to do our life on our own and, and we suppress the truth that we can't. We suppress the truth that we can't do this life on our own and we try to do it anyways. How many of you have ever got to the end of the week and you ever, you've never even prayed about God getting you, sustaining you through the week? I've done that. I've tried it on my own. I'm the only one, right? We've done that. We can't do it on our own. Or like, so I was thinking, uh, we, we feel shame and despair in our lives. And instead of taking it to God who can actually do something with it, then it plays out like this where there's conviction that leads to a porn addiction. Suppressing the truth. Or we drink a beer to suppress our anger and our hurt. You can start playing whatever. Or are we, uh, are we create idols? Oh my gosh, how many idols we have in our lives, folks? Where we, we, we put things before God, maybe technology or money or possessions because they're easier to grab onto than a, than a big God who is hard to grasp sometimes. And can't we just feel this in our gut and our rebellion against God? I know I can. It's not a surprise, this is a choice. And I was thinking this week, you know, it's interesting to me um, that, that, what, that there's so many people in our world who who consciously choose judgment and the wrath of God. They consciously do it, right? It's like like if somebody told you today, hey, when you leave the parking lot, don't go right and go north on Burkett Avenue because you're gonna end up in 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 a car crash and it'll take your life. How many of you, even if they were wrong, would go left? I would, right? Why put yourself in a position where, you're gonna be forced at some point to go up against the judge, the God of the universe. Doesn't make any sense. It's not worth it. It's not worth it choosing to do this on our own. And so we need to take heed of the bowls of revelation and hand our lives over to the one who holds the keys of judgment and wrath, being covered. Oh, this is the good part. We get covered by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We get covered in his blood. Choosing, honestly, a much better life. Now, I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna say there's gonna be an easy life, okay? But it's a much better life than being under the wrath of God. 
So this is a question I think we internally should ask ourselves, come up on the screen, is this. Am I a child of God or am I a child of wrath? We should ask ourselves that question today. Am I a child of God or am I a child of wrath? Being honest, have we given over the entirety of our lives to Jesus or just parts of it? Are we truly a child of God, walking in the ways of Christ, his ways, not our ways? Um, or are we just faking it? Are we just coming to church or those kind of things, maybe pick up our Bible twice a year? Or are we actually, currently right now, are we, are, are we a child of wrath? Choosing our own way, doing it our own way. The thing is, uh, here's the thing about that is only you and God will know that answer. But the truth is, it's an inevitable question that every single one of us will have to answer at some point. And I think we'd all agree that we'd want to be on the right side of it. I don't think anybody that would go, ah, we want to be on the right side of that. I think right now, uh, my hope is, is, and this is what I was praying for, is that every single one of you in the room, that you're, you're evaluating that question. Are you a child of God or a child of wrath? I think it's something to think over because it, it's significant. It is not insignificant. It's very significant. So that's our second point. The seven bowls remind us that God is a judge. Why don't you stand? We're gonna move into a time of responsive worship and prayer today. Lights are gonna come down as the worship team gets ready to go. Here's what we're gonna, here's what I'm gonna do. Some of you, uh, your response over the next few minutes is you're just gonna, uh, you're just gonna worship. That's great. You can sing a song. You can worship. Um, but this is what I was praying for some of you this morning. There's, my hope is that there's some of you that when you answer that last question, if you're a child of God or a child of wrath, you have, to, you have to be honest and say that you're not a child of God right now. You're not a Christian. You've not submitted your life over to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so today is a day that maybe, maybe hopefully, hopefully what I've, uh, the Spirit of God has stirred in you as, as I've shared is that if you're not a Christian, if you're a suppressor, you're, you've been fighting a God who's trying to save you, can I ask you to stop fighting? Stop fighting against the God who's trying to save you. Say yes to the God of the trumpets and the bulls this morning. Maybe, maybe he's been giving you a shot across the bow in your life. He wants your heart. He wants, you, he wants to show you his mercy and his grace. And I've mentioned this a couple of times, but you know, Jesus was sent from heaven. He gave up his seat and throne. He came to this earth. He walked so he could show us how to live. And ultimately he died as a sacrifice. Remember we said that for the wages for sin is death. He took your death on himself, my death on himself, so that we could have a way back to God. So my hope was this morning, if you're not a Christian, that today you would say yes to him that you would stop resisting God who's been wanting to save you your whole life. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be over here. I'm always singing this song. And if you, today is the day that you stop suppressing and you say, okay, I'm willing to actually cross the line. I'm willing to give my life over to Jesus. Then I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna pray for you over here. And I'll, I'll follow up this week, give you some details on what that means to follow Jesus. Um, and so this is gonna be a little risky because we were talking about it in the staff and we we're like, okay, how do we make it the most um, opportunity, the opportunity for somebody to say yes to Christ? And we we're, gonna, we we're kind of playing through some ideas. But if you don't know, like living, with, living for Christ is actually a little risky. Right? We look in this, in, this, in this book of the Bible, right? Being a Christian at this time was actually to put your life on the line. 
And so for some of you, I'm going to say, if, you're, if the only reason you're not coming up is because you don't want to know what, uh, want, want see people have you walk up or whatever, man, that's a crappy reason to stay under the wrath of God. So some of you, you're going to need to come up here today and let me pray for you. And you're going to actually become a child of God and give your life over to him, no longer be a child of wrath. Maybe for some of you, it's something you did when you were 17 and you have not been following the ways of Christ. And maybe you need to actually go, I have once again become a child of wrath. And so I need to actually say yes to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in the ways of the Lord. You mean you need to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning, okay? So that's the opportunity. Um, if that's you this morning, I've been praying for you all week. Um, we actually prayed for you this morning that you would have the courage enough to come up and let me pray for you and say yes to Jesus this morning, okay? So as we, uh, as we sing, if you need to come up, I'm gonna wait for a couple minutes. I'm gonna pray for anybody coming up this morning, okay? Um, some of you, you're just gonna sing and that's okay too. All right, so let me pray for you. So Father, I pray right now for those in the room that, uh, God, that you are already starting to stir things in their life. I pray, God, that they would have the boldness to walk out of their seat here in a minute. God, that you're gonna pull them to yourself so that ultimately you can save them. You can show your mercy and your grace to them. And they don't have to experience the wrath that we talked about today. Move in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're gonna sing. If you need to come over here this morning, I'm gonna be available to do that and then we'll close the service this morning. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.